Tandem Cannon, the gamerific podcast where call play is canon and where the agents are go. This is episode 10. Back to school, bitches. This is Tiffany. And this is Mia. Well, let's get right into the talk from Team Tandem. So, we have been doing quite a bit for gamer homework. So, Mia, you want to go first and share? Uh, sure. So, as you know, Fallout Shelter has taken over <laughs> my life once again. <laughs> And clearly the lives of my dwellers because they just stay on the defensive, on the regular. We had a huge population boom with the dwellers. I was like, um, we need to get these extra rooms unlocked. Y'all need to start hooking up. So part of the issue that I dealt with was just making sure that I wasn't starting up some weird incestuous relationships because there are some half brothers and sisters and cousins and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, the only thing with Fallout is that it doesn't have you track family trees. So it's like you don't really know. They don't have the last name. So it should be a good I can't keep up with it anymore. There's too many dwellers, but we had an explosion in babies and I started having the training classrooms and stuff like that so they can get strong and, you know, they can actually survive longer. And the idea is for each successive generation be stronger and more durable than their parents so like I have all these like super strong super smart babies that are just like running around everywhere just like Kia bitch and uh, (laughs) and, um, I have two designated quest teams that I'm like okay y'all are the team that's going to go out and and do shit so I've been sending them out on adventures and things and upgrading their weapons first and yeah they're pretty boss like they're, they're just taking out enemies like it's nobody's business so that's been awesome and then let's see i played the elder scrolls legends beta that just came out and uh, we got to play this a little bit at quakecon but um finally the the beta has come out and it's a lot of fun it's a card game it reminds me a lot of like you know magic kind of but for the most part it's pretty accessible like they walk you through the steps of what to do okay this card does xyz this is you know you have your different lanes and so each card has a specific purpose like you have your guards that help protect your team members that you have out there you have creatures that can help Uh protect your your people as well and so it's it's pretty cool i've gotten up to i think chapter nine so far and there's a whole storyline with it so the people that you're battling are people that you encounter on the story quest i guess so it's really nice i like it let's see i also played fat princess yesterday how was that it was a lot of fun i didn't get to play it very long because the way that this game works is like they want you to work with other people like they want you to play this co-op and mm-hmm. so you have several different classes you can play as a mage who they they do healing and stuff and area healing but they're kind of an archer so they have bows and arrows they do ranged attacks and they can set people on fire which is oh hell <laughs> so, yeah uh, guess which uh one i played yesterday and then they had a soldier and then a villager and each specific class has its own specialties and stuff and the idea of the game depending on what mode you play is that you have a princess in your castle whatever and the idea is for you to feed her enough cake that the enemy can't carry her out of your castle so she's oh, like yeah me i'm getting skinny and, and you're like okay gotta hustle up this cake let's go get this cake like i feel like <laughs> a crack queen just trying to find cake meanwhile while this is going down like you have a bunch of people trying to defend your castle from invaders and the invaders are trying to get to 
the princess. And so that that was a lot of fun. But the thing is, they want you to play co-op. They like kept giving me suggestions, like these little passive aggressive. Wouldn't it be better playing with others? <laughs> you know, this game is better with a friend. I was like, oh, thank Not you. Not subtle at all. Not subtle at, at all. But <laughs> I mean, it's a fun game. And then they have like DLC to unlock other classes and stuff like that. So I only play like maybe five or ten minutes, but it was it was a lot of fun. So I can't wait until we play it. It's gonna be awesome. And then finally, I tried Scribblenaut on the DS. I've had it for a couple weeks, and I did the tutorial modes, but I never actually got to play the game. And it's so much fun because you have these little mini games where you have to kind of find you know your way out of specific puzzles or different predicaments so Mm -hmm. like you have oh this level you have to catch a butterfly so you have to you can type in objects to appear in your world and you have a certain cap on the number of objects and so if you want to catch the butterfly you actually type in net and then or something related to that or something creative to get to the butterfly and whatever you type in it pops into your world and there you go. And you can use that item. And it's really neat. I like it so That's far. Neat. It's very cute. And yeah, I want to play some more. And of course, I'm doing Phoenix right. And yeah, fucking that How's that going along? It's been going well. Like, I think this is the first case where I don't have Mia or Maya, who is her younger sister, available to help me. And so I have this weird eccentric girl that's helping me out and she considers herself a scientist but it's clear that she knows nothing about science or detective work whatsoever and i'm like can can maya come back um because at least she was smart and helped me <laughs> <laughs> she can do her job right? <laughs> so okay tiff so what have you been playing this week for gamer homework i've actually been playing quite a bit for once in my life of course been on the fall out shelter grind as well i did find that i have reached my limit and the limit is 200 people is all you can have in the vault oh. um which is unfortunate is that i have people waiting in line but since i have so many people waiting in line any of the people that i have sent out just on solo expeditions cannot come in oh, he's damn. stuck there and so so he's still smiling and everything else but he just can't get in even though he's been in the vault for forever so he can't get in because there's so many people waiting in line but for the most part it's been pretty good so far i just i'm just surprised that there's so many limit of 200 people but i guess that's okay because it's so hard to keep them happy all the time now but i have not checked to see if they can they can at least screw to get happy (laughs) if not to procreate so maybe we can still do that to make people happy but i did do a, a quest where i had to go rescue bottle and cappy oh yeah yes and so like they will come in and they'll make your people like 10 like 10 percent happy so they come in and they do that and you can like click on them and get more ball caps and stuff like that so it makes them happy so i'm grateful for them coming in so because my people are some of them are just so depressed. I'm like, I'm so sorry. There's just so many to keep up with. Right. And there's only there's... so much they could do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's only so many jobs to go around. So Exactly. And especially mm. so many rooms and everything else. I know I had it. Like, originally I had four radio station rooms, but I had to cut down two at least because I was attracting so many people. And by that time, it wasn't, I couldn't produce enough to keep everyone currently happy. Mm. And there was constantly people showing up at the door wanting to have enough jobs to go around and so but it still didn't help it seems like every time i shut off my phone and i you know would power back up the game here they come there's more and and then they bring more people from the wasteland so i'm like i just can't keep up with the demand right (laughs) so i was playing that and then i also got 
to play Far Cry again this weekend. This is Far Cry 4. Mm-hmm. And I actually, like, got up, like, about, like, 6 to 7% more than I had left off. And I hadn't picked it up in the last few months, but I figured that since this is a borrowed game, I maybe need to finish this up so I can get on everything else. And so, so I've had that, and I didn't die often. So, to me, that's an achievement. And also, I had gotten a couple of games. I had gotten my Nintendo DS back from my mom. And because <laughs> I let my mom have it when she wanted to play Brain Age eight years ago, and she's hardly played it. So I'm like, yeah, can I, like, you know, temporarily borrow it back until you're ready to play it in your retirement, mom? And so, and so I finally got my games back. So I finally got one of my Brain Age games back. I don't know what happened to the other one she had. And then so I went to Game Over Video Games, and I bought Assassin's Creed on the DS. Sweet. Assassin's Creed 2 Discovery on the DS. And I also bought Prince of Persian The Forgotten Sands. Ooh. And I started playing that one. It's actually quite fun, but it's one of those games that you play with the stylus. You don't play with the D-pad and the controls. It's more like a stylus-guided game. So that was interesting so far, just going through the effects. I'm like, hey, this kind of reminds me of a little bit of, like, Little Big Plan. Cause, you know, you hold on to your sword on the side, slide down and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm going to have to build in a minute. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but about all the length that I've really played, but um, it was kind of good just to even get into like playing Far Cry a little bit yeah. so I could die some more. Ah! Yay! But also I had heard some interesting news about like there's going to be some PC streaming for PlayStation games on your computer. Have you heard any of that? Are you serious? I am dead serious. Oh, Appar- awesome. Apparently, they just released this about a few days ago, saying that they were going to stream some games about like 400 plus, I believe, in the store that you can stream, especially like big hits. And like they're releasing like Mafia 2, you can play like Tomb Raider. And I think they were going to be releasing Castlevania soon that you can stream. And they're going to have like this little adapter that you can plug your dual controller and play from your PC. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Like, so does this work with, is this for PlayStation Now members or is this is just in general? Well, I know we already have like our, our PSN deal, but I'm, I'm not sure if the subscription is the same as what we currently have because the subscription to stream this mm-hmm. is more expensive. Because I know, I think it's supposed to be interlocked between having a PS4 and a, and a PC mm-hmm. kind of deal, but it's like a hundred bucks for the entire year <sighs> compared to just paying, what now, $60 for PlayStation subscription. So I don't know if you already have that subscription, if it's already for, if it's going to be for now or Mm -hmm. if it's going to be two different entities. I'm like, if it's going to be for two different entities, y'all need to give a discount somewhere. Right. (laughs) Because like if you have PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now, like you're already paying them money. Like it's just kind of ridiculous to shell out even more just for streaming. And there's so many like YouTubers that do streaming and I don't know. It just seems wrong to me. I guess it will pay for itself if you're the kind of person who likes having... You don't want to pay for the games themselves. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. And probably, like, the only thing you'll have to really come out of pocket other than the monthly... So the monthly price of, like, what, less than $10 a month will be practically for DLC, mm-hmm. I think. That will be the only thing you will really have to pay for if it's... If it's applicable, it should be applicable in this case. But I guess it's like if you don't want to have like a tactile disc or if you're the kind of person who kind of downloads games to begin with. 
Maybe. I'm not sure if you can keep those games or is it just a rental service. Right. I guess. So I guess it's, it can be good or bad in some ways. It just depends on the player. I personally like physical copies of games because I don't like putting that much, using up so much of my hard drive, especially since a lot of times when you do download the games, it already takes up so much to begin with, let alone the entire game. I don't know. It, it sounds like a cool concept, but I don't know if it'll be quite for me. Yeah, same. Like, I like having a physical disc, too, just because if something happens to the system or, or whatever, at least I still have the physical copy and you of can that. take it offline. Yeah, I can take it offline. You know, I don't have to worry about having to be constantly online to actually play. What a concept. And your internet sucked. I mean. <laughs> right, right. Around, that offering would suck so or, bad. Or especially, like, you know, first day games that you want to play. Like, I would hate having to spend... I don't know how many hours having to wait to play Mass Effect Andromeda where I could just get the disc, pop it in, do the appropriate patches or whatever to get started, and then go. Yeah, I'm impatient like that, but... (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of good that it's branching out and that it can be for, you know, any type of gamer there is for us who want to have the physical disc or those who just want to stream. I mean, this could be, like, someone's big dream, but I don't know. It's kind of too early to tell some... Maybe it's a kind of wait and see kind of thing of how it will do. But it is a pretty cool concept that now you can play on your PC. But it makes me wonder how much that freaking adapter is. Right. I don't even want to think about that, honestly. Like for that one <laughs> for that one lifeline, it's going to be like $40. I'm like, well. Your firstborn child. I on that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the Pit People beta and all that? So, yeah, the Behemoth yeah. came out with the Pit People beta. I got a code. <laughs> for the Xbox One. The reason why I signed up for the beta was because they said that they would have the beta on Steam. I got a code for the Xbox One, but I don't have an Xbox One. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And then a couple like, of days... Uh, reverse that. Right. And a couple of days later, I got an email about the Steam, but I never received a code. So I was like, son of a... That's not you fair. just can't win. No. And I'm like, I really wanted to play so badly, but you know what? It's okay. I have other games. It'll, I'll just wait until it comes out and all will be right with the world. So maybe next time, but yeah, struggle. Mm-hmm. Next time, Gadget, next time. Next time. Well, <laughs> on that sad note, are you ready to level up? Let's do it. Let's level up. All right. Well, since in the mode of back to school, we kind of wanted to get into the topic of old school educational games, mm-hmm. um, especially like those who are probably about our age. I'm sure you've had quite a few underneath your belt. How these games have had such a social impact on us, on everybody, I believe, because even to this day, who does not still say you died of dysentery? Everyone knows where that comes from. And mm-hmm. so, since that's a firm structure in our childhood, we figured that since it was a back-to-school kind of deal, let's just talk about some of these games that have kind of affected us. So, you want to you wanna get into some stuff? All right, let's do this. <laughs> so, I just find it interesting that, you know, video games designed for like educational purposes started really like exploding in the 80s and I think I don't know this is just my guess I'd have to do some research but it seems like you know a lot of that was just part of with the rise of video games and video game culture in the 80s and the way that they incorporated that in an educational setting to me is just fascinating because it's like all these kids are playing video games they need to learn things why not do the thing so I just just I find that fascinating one of the the biggest companies we were doing research on this that came out with all these different games was mech 
If you played uh-huh. Oregon Trail or Number Munchers or Word Munchers, these are met games, and I think they started off in the 1980s, and um, they really hit it big with Oregon Trail, like in the late 80s, early 90s, and continue to make educational games I think until like what 1998 99 99 and I think it was either consolidated or they just shut down offices I forget yeah it's funny how we had all these games back in the day and you know as a kid you didn't realize that that was a lot of these games were under the same umbrella it was all under the same company Mm -hmm. so that kind of blew our mind realizing how many games that this company was really producing back in the day that we didn't know was connected to each other like I I would not have in the million years believed that number munchers or word munchers were connected to the Oregon Trail. Had no idea. <laughs> because it was like, it was two different entities at the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you think about it, like they were the only big educational company that was trying to make education fun, especially when video games was on the rise and they were wanting to twist it to where, you know, hey, you can play Mario Brothers here, but don't forget about, you know, learning something in the meantime. So I'm grateful because they influenced a lot of my childhood with a lot of stuff I remember playing playing in school. And it's interesting because these are all PC games too. So like mm-hmm. I felt like this sort of tied into the rise of PC gaming specifically and I just found it funny how a lot of these games were actually included as part of school curriculums. Like I was a military kid and mm-hmm. I moved a lot, but I remember, you know, being in 4th grade and playing Number Munchers as part of our math curriculum. We would go to the computer lab and we would do Number Munchers and there mm-hmm. was there were these little competitions and stuff like that and so so if you score the highest in number munchers, like you got a special prize or whatever, or you got to not do a test, that's just really cool. It's a cool way to learn. Do you remember, like, I we played more number munchers. I don't think I ever remember playing word munchers, maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. But did you, were you about the same? Did you play number munchers more? I think we played number munchers more because I remember playing that in fourth grade. That was like a big deal for us, playing Number Munchers. Oregon Trail, you know, getting that day off from, I think it was history class. (laughs) They go to the (laughs) computer lab and go play Oregon Trail, and that was like the highlight of everybody's day. It's like, yeah, it's Oregon Trail time! Yeah! Let's let's go put in all your friends and watch as they all die. Uh, Die. (laughs) Very atrocious deaths, because we had no idea what plotting or planning was in Oregon Trail. We just picked the day we like. Like, okay, let's leave. Let's leave. I like September. Let's leave in September. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, September sounds good. It's exciting. So sounds nice. Perfect. Cool month and, and all that. But it was just interesting because, you know, they did teach you certain things. There are things that I do remember from playing, you know, these series like Oregon Trail and how people would barter and trade for food and clothing and stuff like that. And dealing with sicknesses and families disappearing and how people would caravan and travel together in different landmarks. And it's like, I don't really know anything much about the West other than the gold rush and uh, Oregon Trail. Like, that's pretty much all I know. But, I mean, those games were a significant part of that. And then with specifically on number munchers, because we use that to learn about multiplication, subtraction, all of that, your basics, and then learning about fractions and things like that. And like I'm not I, was for hardest oh for me. I could I couldn't do that. But like I was watching someone play it on YouTube the other day just to get like a refresher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you didn't figure out like what was supposed to be divisible by like, three and yeah. stuff like that. So <laughs> those little frogs every time you get something wrong, right? <laughs> I remember that. It's like oh, fuck you, frog. Like I'm it's, just at least give me some credit here. But like, at least I tried. I was close, okay. And like I remember in the computer lab, like when people get that wrong you just hear it 
Oh my god. Because it's so distinctive. Oh, and they just frown at the bottom of all the frogs, your frog lives that are left, and they have like the weirdest frown when you get it wrong. Yeah. And the freaking Truggles? 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 Yeah, the Truggles. That was like an 80s cartoon. The Truggles. He was was Grimace. That other one was Grimace. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sad. Did you do anything writing-wise with those classes? I didn't necessarily do anything in my English class, but there was a game that I used to play with my mom, who was a teacher. She would go to after-school meetings, and so afterwards, when I'm waiting for her to get done, I will play one game called Storybook Weaver. And Storybook Weaver was going to be Matt, and it was a story-based game where you have these different scenes, you have characters that you can click and drag onto the scene and do your story. And there was like a little box at the bottom where you can just type it out. Of course, I never used it. I just right. used it as my play stage. And so I will have like these different things. I mostly used the brook on the storybook weaver stage. And then I will just have my characters and do my scene there. But I hardly ever, I hardly ever wrote the story out. Even though it's kind of wrong because I do write. But, <laughs> but it's so weird not having like a storybook type game where you can do that and express your fantasies or whatever in storybook form. But I didn't do that. I just, I just pretended it was like a play. I just yeah. went. But it was kind of cool to even like express my creativity that way. But that was such a great game, and I used to love playing it every time my my mom would have to go to a meeting. So it kept me occupied for hours without anything. And so my mom had to drag me away from the computer when it was time to go home. But I'm like, I'm I'm not done. I'm almost with the scene. <laughs> and talking to my characters, people thought I was nuts. No. I still am, but. <laughs> like it, it paid off because I don't know if you guys know Tiffany is a writer and she's amazing and I think that Stop was it. huge it's true it was a huge influence <laughs> on her and she writes a lot of stories so like I think that paid off yeah my mom was a big proponent of educational games like she wanted to keep us busy and she's like well if you're gonna be playing video games all day I'm gonna make sure you play stuff that makes you smarter so I remember I think it was like my eighth grade eighth or ninth grade year she bought this game for Apple I can't remember what type of computer it was but it was called Museum Madness and basically you're kind of trapped in this museum and your job is to try and and go through the different areas, solve puzzles and get clues and things like that. And so it covered all sorts of different areas of like history, government, science and technology, computer science a little bit, but it covered a lot of those areas. And so there would be one part of the museum where you're going through parts of the American Revolution and, you know, the Constitution and stuff. And like you would have to find clues on how to solve things to get to the next part of the museum. Or you learn about the papyrus, the history of paper and the writing system and solving clues that way. And so it was was really neat. I never finished it, I don't believe. But like that was one of the games that I just remember most off the top of my head because it, it covers so much of, you know, history, science and technology type of stuff. So if that's like what you're interested in or I learned a lot of things. I was like, damn it, I'm going to get past this one level. I know this shit. I know it. And there are some parts that I didn't do well on, but it was still fun, a very challenging game. Well, you would think, like, if the SAT was this fun and interactive, I think we'll have a whole lot, you know, higher scores. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> especially for me. But if I could have like an interactive SAT deal, that would probably change the game for me, especially to make it so so much fun like museum madness so so maybe the sat board should get on that hmm? yeah like if the gre was as fun to do as much as museum madness was i would have aced it i wouldn't have had a problem with it mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all we just need is more interactive but then you'll have all those other ones like well in my day apart from playing number munchers back in the day i used to play one called spell evader hmm. now spell evader was pretty interesting is that you were like this little dust bunny essentially a ball of dust and you're trying to get onto a, go up levels on the elevator. They had vacuum cleaners for your enemies, and they will suck you up. <laughs> you know, if, if they are on your same floor, but you had to collect letters and you had to spell words, so that was pretty cool. Hmm. So I remember playing that a lot, but I sucked at spell of air. I, I just could not get my my dexterity right of you know trying to jump over vacuum cleaners or, or strategize on when the vacuum cleaner was going to be on this floor and all that stuff. So, but I remember that game distinctly, probably just as much as I was. I remember playing number munchers but yeah that was that was one thing too mm-hmm. and i guess we should probably give a, a really special shout out to the learning company because yes i don't know about you but growing up early 90s like where in the world is carmen san diego was my shit like i love the tv <laughs> series and mom again educational games you know PBS, that was that that life. She got us the Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. We had the board game and then also the PC games too. So she was like, Y'all gonna be doing some learning <laughs> today. I'm not just gonna be sitting here up there vegetating in front of the TV. You, right. You're going to actually be productive in something. Right. And now she wonders why I mouth off to her all the time with facts, but that's her fault. But but yeah, I just remember. Well, yeah, that's her fault. So I'm like, <laughs> You gotta deal with that. You just. But uh, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? And I think they had. Like, where in the USA is Carmen San Diego? I felt like those games were harder than the TV show. Like, I actually got stuff more on the TV show than I did the actual games. But, you know, you get clues about what Carmen's been up to and what she's been doing. And you have to pick figure out, like, what location she's at next. And so you're kind of hopping the globe and answering different questions about things. And it made me learn a lot about, like, geography and history. Incorporated some of that. And it's like, okay, I got this. I'm good. But, man, I, I can't remember. A couple years ago, I think I either downloaded or something um, for my phone. And I'm like, I don't know this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> is it because it's newer than before or what? Um, no, I think the clues are just harder. It's just like trying to figure out like you have to learn specific things like philosophy and history. So it's sort of branched out a little bit where it's not just, okay, name the capital of, you know, this country or, or what type of river goes through this continent, that sort of thing. It's okay. branched out a little bit. And you said it was on the phone? I think so. It's been several years. I'll have to go back and check. But if they have a game, I want to go back and try it because that was my shit back in the day so so what about these other games that you probably have heard of there's one called like outnumbered and mass blaster now i did not play these games but mia did you have any experience or even heard about some of these games so outnumbered i also played in fourth grade math class so clearly i liked math a lot in fourth grade that was the year that just yeah, but then again, I was in You're Cuba. Screwing it into your brain, you will learn these equations we'll right learn. now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what was really cool about Outnumbered? You know, you kind of play as this detective, and you're trying to solve this master of mischief or whatever, and try to track him down. And the whole time, the background music is orchestral pieces. So Mozart, mm-hmm. you know, like that's playing the background. So it's like you're learning math, but you're also having classical pieces 
introduced to you too. And so like we would just sit there and just play. And so every time we had to go to the computer lab, we just just it was just so much fun because you got Mozart's 40th Symphony and then you had was it Rachmaninoff and a couple of other classical composers so even if you weren't really sure who it was you know if you watch Looney Tunes if you watch Animaniacs they use classical stuff all the time and so you're like oh I know this this is on Animaniacs last week that that game was so much fun it was just you know again making math and learning fun and we had little competitions like the class that got the best outnumbered and math blaster they got a free pizza party and stuff like that so you know you know it's like they use these games to make learning more accessible much more fun you're more likely to retain stuff if you were playing it in a game form where it's something fun rather than a teacher standing up there lecturing forever and ever and ever and then math blaster right really remember that much because I think I might have confused this one for number munchers but I think it was kind of like the same dynamic where you're learning about addition subtraction multiplication division fractions kind of that algebra shit right no offense to to people who are nerds for algebra but yeah (laughs) numbers you know all that stuff and it makes me sad because you know in high school we didn't get any of this stuff so it's like if they had incorporated more games into algebra and geometry and algebra 2 and pre-cal like I probably would have gotten it a lot more because I did pretty well in algebra but geometry like was just Mm -hmm. what, what is this I don't no and even more so when I got to algebra 2 and I'm like I really don't know what I'm doing I don't mm-hmm. I don't like math <laughs> and uh, yeah so it just it kind of makes it, me sad and I was just like after algebra like, when we got to like algebra 2 I'm like wait a minute there's a second part to this why <laughs> Why? I, I, Isn't like, one enough? I, I thought I thought we were done. Um, why didn't we just go this. straight into Algebra 2? Why did we have to skip and do Geometry? I don't, yeah, I don't understand. But the way that these games sort of changed everything, like, I looked forward to going to math because I'm like, we're going to the computer lab today. Mm-hmm. And so I wish they kind of had that in high school where you could still do games and learn about certain things or it helps reinforce what we're learning in the classroom. But I felt like we didn't really get that in high school. And as a result, it wasn't as much fun for yeah, me. It seems like the only time I went to the computer lab was really just to brush up on presentations to do. And that was the first time we ever got to learn, like, you know, using PowerPoint and all that stuff. That was the only thing we really got to go to the quote-unquote computer lab for that. So there wasn't really much fun in games outside of elementary school or um, intermediate school as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I must do a, a special shout-out, though. Of, this is off-topic a little bit, but I have to give, like, a little special shout-out to Bully and all the educational <laughs> stuff you had to do in Bully. Yes! <laughs> I'm like, I love going to English class, like, just to try and figure out, like, all the letters or all the words that were that were there. So that was pretty fun. And so thank you for Rockstar for making educational fun, even for, just for Bully. Yes, that was, that was <laughs> hilarious. And I actually liked music class that was fun and that was fun yeah that was i was like i okay i need i need bully too yeah college edition let's do that so if this dude made it to college i mean <laughs> i think probably gonna be like itt tech or something i mean <laughs> and not to diss anybody that does itt you know everybody do your own thing whatever but you know jimmy was just too much of a smart ass i think to yeah i don't know it seems like he might have been able to go to the school that have and do work on cars and stuff like that because he was pretty good at the doing the cars and oh, working yeah. that bike yeah that bike <laughs> an auto shop and yeah 
That makes sense. I felt so, like he kind of gelled with the greasers a little bit, so. A little too much. Mm-hmm. Everyone was pretty much keen on Lola. That whore. That whore I love. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <sighs> a little high school drama. But I guess sort of an honorable mention for educational games. I didn't even think about this, but Typing of the Dead. Yeah, that one was really, really fun. And it was one of those things where I wish I would have had that in the computer lab when we were learning about home keys and typing words and everything. Would have loved to play this game. I just, even if it was like a scary element and it was before, of course, by the time we were learning about home keys and typing words and everything else, of course, this game had not come out yet. But to have that concept, I mean... If this was in junior high, this would have been the highlight of going to the computer lab in junior high. Yeah. I don't think I took a formal keyboarding class until I got to high school when I moved to Texas. And I was like, why do I have to take this? I already know how to type. But yeah, like typing is a day. Like it really tests your skills because you have to be fast. You have to be accurate in order to survive the game. And so like this would have been a great supplementary tool. I would have definitely paid attention in class instead of like (laughs) A-S-D-F-D-K-L semicolon. (laughs) <laughs> just like, yeah, this would have been a much better option for me, I think, playing Type the Other Dead. I hate zombies, but yeah, that was a fun game. I enjoyed that. That game one. made it fun, though. <laughs> it quite did. So with the special mention of Typing of the Dead, I guess let's move on into just how it has changed overall with these games. I'm sure, Mia, you have also seen, now that we've sat down and thought about it, how much games have changed mm-hmm. since we were younger. Do you see of yeah. why and how? With a lot of these games they've become so much more focused on money making franchises like you know recognizable things like Dora the Explorer and Diego Frozen Frozen, Spongebob like I don't know if he has any educational games specifically but it seems like more of these games are about really popular IPs and Mm -hmm. other properties that will sell well like Disney pretty much pimping out every cartoon on the man (laughs) and so and non-stop yeah it seems wrong to me that Darth Vader is teaching me how to do ABCs. I mean, it's cool and all, but at the same time, I'm so used to everything being standalone. Right. Could you imagine Kylo Ren trying to teach you fractions? (laughs) Emo Ren. (laughs) And if you don't get it right, he's gonna, like, you know, totally thrash the chalkboard with his lightsaber. I'm like, okay, dude. All right. You need a denominator. (laughs) I have daddy issues. Okay. Okay, all right. Could not imagine that being something with our childhood, like, it, which is kind of like talking out both sides of my mouth because, you know, we kind of had that a little bit, but we had that in the form of like Sesame Street and stuff like that. And, but that was something that was already something that was established long before we were even thought of. And so we had that to push us along, but we didn't have games until now, but they were standalone. They weren't really franchise associated and they just weren't doing it for the sake yeah of money yes but it wasn't like it was now to where anything that they can get their hands on and see it as a profit they'll do it it seems so i don't know i mean now stuff like little einstein and everything else i heard is great but it makes me wonder about really what is being done for in the long run is it really for money or is it really to make our society better? Mac and the learning company, like these were companies designed specifically for learning games. And so they would sell these to schools and school districts and things like that. And that's where they 
made a lot of their money. Whereas now, and I don't know what they would fall under necessarily, but it seems like it's more, you know, Nickelodeon has their properties. Disney has their properties. And then even with certain PBS properties, like they're under certain respective companies and things like that. I think there were Mm -hmm. a couple Magic School Bus games that came out a long time ago, but I don't know if that's still the case because it's Mm -hmm. not a popular series as it is. I don't think there's been a Where in the World is Carmen San Diego game in a while. Um, and I don't know if Wishbone never had games or if he just stuck to, like, maybe just his own series of books or something mm-hmm. like that. But I'm um, like, it, it seemed like it really started to pick up maybe in the 90s. I think uh, Carmen San Diego was probably leading the way of doing something that was a big franchisee and stuff like that. And then you had stuff like Blue's Clues and all that stuff that was kind of leading the way mm-hmm. um, to do follow-ups and stuff. So I don't know. It's more about the name recognition, I feel like, now than it is about the actual educational content. But that's just, on. I guess it's just conjecture on my part because I don't have kids and I don't play any of those games. And so I know with us anyway, like there was a real purpose for those games existing and helping reinforce things that we're learning in the classroom. And I can't right. really say if that's the same thing now, but I don't know. <laughs> It's just weird because then I was like a certain time. I know things have to change and evolve in that we're living in a society where there's always things constantly going on and there's always different franchises or different things that are competing for our attention. And so it's very hard to cater to all of these and so they're going to throw whatever gimmicks there are out there in order to grasp our attention so it doesn't matter if Spongebob is not really a education thing I mean this dude is not on Nick Jr. but they're going to throw some education games out there if it means cornering a market Mm -hmm. to get something sold and so but I'm like I could not imagine the Oregon Trail belonging to a series or a franchise on TV now I can't Mm -hmm. not even to the Carmen San Diego it just seems better for it to be its own entity in itself and it is already became its own foothold in history so it doesn't really need any of that but it's kind of sad that it's only official to us but not really to anybody else you know you know half our age they don't know what that is and like I was thinking about you know last week's episode where we talked about games that we wish we had the balls to play I was thinking about Nancy Drew because to a certain extent that is an educational game and um, that one has exploded since it was reintroduced in the 2000s it's exploded and and each game you learn something specific. Like there was one game where it's set in Paris and we learn about the resistance movement and women in the resistance movement and the fall of the Nazis and all that and the role that France played in World War Two. You learn about telegraphing techniques and, and things like that. You learn different things with each progressive game. So, you know, I guess in a way that could be counted as a learning game. But again, Nancy Drew has been a long established yes. you know, property, Oops. you know, the yeah. book series and, and all that so the people that are playing those games are more likely to be fans of the series or fans of mystery PC games so it's, I don't know I guess now it's changed so much where everything's like Frozen and Minions and Spongebob oh my but, uh, <laughs> on that note should we do the, the wheel of, of random tandem for this Let's week in the bitch. <laughs> well we're going to keep it on the same vein okay. and we're going to talk about the favorite childhood games of ours back in the day. Now, we're going to run this about, like, in the 90s, about, like, beginning 90s. This is when Nicktoons was, like, still raining and everything. And so, Mia, <laughs> what were your games that were either your favorites or you just enjoyed playing in, oh. that, in that time frame? So, I guess 
early 90s. That was my heavy Sega period. Sega. Um, so believe it or not, I love the original Sonic the Hedgehog games, like the, the early trilogy mm-hmm. before they started sucking awfully. But yeah, I love the it's Sonic games. Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I would literally spend hours just... You know, playing through the games, I think I beat the first two. I can't remember if I did the third, but I remember, like, going through the games. So that was one of my favorites. So Sonic the Hedgehog. I love Street Fighter 2. Like, that was my shit. Once I got a hold of Chun-Li and I learned how to do that helicopter kick, it That's was... all you need. It was a done for I think um, my babysitter at the time had a Super Nintendo entertainment system. And so I was like, it's uh, Street Fighter 2 time. Let's let's fuck some shit up. So so that has a, a special place in my heart. And especially with, you know, the theme songs, like Guile's theme, especially just, yeah. Oh, gosh. Like, when we went down to Rooster Teeth, I pretty much bored my husband and me into tears. Because I'm up here like, yeah, we're about to get into this oh, no. mood now. And so I played, I had downloaded, like, the ultimate version that had every single bit of songs on Street Fighter 2 and I mean this included also not just the original Street Fighter 2 but also like the the new challengers so you had like you had Cammy you had T-Hawk and DJ and all that stuff on there so I'm like we went full on into game mode it was awesome yeah we went straight <laughs> up nerd I was in the back just just brought back so many memories but I mean it was a great game and then finally the Streets of Rage series those were my favorites because you could play as Blaze, who was the only girl in, this, in the crew. It was a fun, you know, side-scrolling brawler, just, just whooping ass and taking names. Like, it was just so much fun to play. I find it interesting that, you know, as a child, I played a lot of fighting games. I don't know if that represented something. Just, you know, lots of, of rage, lots of street stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of rage in these streets. In that these was, streets. That was, essentially, yeah. that was essentially what it was. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tiff? Like, what was your favorite game to play back in the day? Back in um, I had quite a few. Of course, I was still on that organ troll grind stuff because I think by then my mom had let me have our old Apple IIe computer. So I was playing between that and this other one like Will of Fortune and, and this other one called Concentration. It was pretty much a memory game. Oh. And so I had that. So anything on that Apple IIe was pretty much my world. But I played organ troll forever and stuff. And I actually beat it quite a few times. So I was actually proud of me. But I can't even remember who I chose, if I was the farmer or the banker or, or whatever. I don't remember, but I survived, so that was the most important thing, even though <laughs> there was one time it was just me who crossed it. That was it. Aww. I'm like, uh, sacrifices, but yeah, lessons learned, kid. Never name it after your friends. If you if you really love your friends, don't name it after Mm-mm. them. Also, I liked playing Mario World when Mario World first came out, and <sighs> me and my brother had gotten we had gotten our Super NES from a pawn shop, <laughs> and hey, it was, it, it, you do what you gotta do and you mm-hmm. get what you can afford but those the two games that we got was Street Fighter 2 the original and then we also had gotten Mario World and so that was the first game I could actually play on a station by myself without my brother's assistance so I actually got better at that and so now that I have it here as an adult a lot of that stuff was ingrained and it stayed with so a lot of things like I remember what to do this and how to fly here was up here and so it almost feels as if even after 20 years it hadn't left me so that was pretty cool and also I remember loving to play Donkey Kong too, um, oh. Donkey Kong Country. But Donkey Kong Country was the first game I ever got 
for myself for Christmas that my mom had bought me. And so I had just had like a massive appreciation for Donkey Kong Country. I don't think I ever beat that game. I came close. But even that was one of the games that even my brother did not play as well as me. So it kind of like I had like a little bragging rights. Like I am the champion of this game for once in my life. It's not just my brother who's good. I'm I'm actually good at something. So that was one of the few games that I loved playing, playing back in the day. So yeah, for Donkey Kong Country. Yay! That's awesome, though. Oh, nostalgia feels... I just... I feel so sad now. Well, I hope that all you guys have enjoyed this walk down memory lane. And if you played any of these games that was educational or another game that you totally loved growing up that stayed with you after all this time, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, any final thoughts? Any things that we need to uh, make any special announcements about? I do want to take one time out and just want to give some mention to passing of Gene Wilder. Another brightness of childhood that's just gone. What a remarkable man is touched, influenced everyone through comedy and through childhood too with Willy Wonka. I know like a lot of us had grown up on that so it was really sad that he's gone but at least he's with getting the rest that he needs now. So mm-hmm. pouring out a 40 for Gene Wilder. Yeah. At least he's you know reunited with Richard Pryor so at least they're turning up in heaven. And probably... They are turning it up <laughs> and God is up there rolling. Rolling right now. So He is rolling and so it's just great that he's finally just getting some rest and it just sucks that when people pass away like that you're just like oh I forget how crucial you were to my childhood or how much I enjoyed watching this or I hate that pops up when they're gone but it also helps you have a better appreciation of what was there yeah so so Matt props to Gene Wilder and how he's the man also please please follow us on all of our social stuff where we twitch where we tumble and where we tubes yeah. Eventually, we're with Twitch. We're we're working on a co-op Twitch. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're, we're working on a game that we can co-op Twitch together because yes. there's a lot of games that we don't have, but it's coming. Let y'all see how much I die on Far Cry. Yeah. So <laughs> and and things are better when we play together because you'll yeah. get more of the Red Dead Redemption bear moments like that when we're playing Where? together. <laughs> And, of course, we'll be making some special appearances at Anime North Texas in November. And then PAX, and there. Yeah, PAX South in January in San Antonio. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. And then, Tiffany, do we have any special shout-outs this week? Actually, we do. Um, quite a few of the people that were at RTX have commented on our YouTube, so please go and check out their YouTube channels. We have Stupid Smash Bros. 1, who commented on YouTube, and also we have Lee Clayberry, who sung the Pokemon song, who stole that from Andre. And was up there plugging. I'm like, okay, sir. And then you have Gamer Ben also playing on YouTube. So we appreciate you guys. And thank you to the Clayberry for subscribing. We appreciate that. Thank y'all so much. And also just thank y'all for joining out with us. We love posting that and sharing that experience with you. As I'm sure like a lot of people are very happy to have that same experience there at the convention. So we're happy to. Thank you to our many iTunes subscribers. We don't know who you are, but we know you're out there. So Mm -hmm. um, if you've recently subscribed to us or followed us, just, you know, let us know who you are. And yeah, thank you guys for being here because we love doing this and we love talking to you guys. So. Mm-hmm. So, if you have nothing else to report or retort, we will sign off here and we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm. Until next so time. Stay game-tastic out there. Peace. Peace. Out this bitch. All you had to do was follow the fucking train. Bitch, all you had to do was shoot.